The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. Proverbs chapter number 23. We're going to read the first part of verse number 7 to kind of lay the groundwork for the message this morning. And then as Pastor goes throughout the sermon, we're going to unpack several different scripture readings or several different passages. But let's look at verse number 7 of Proverbs 23. The Bible says, For as he, or for as a man, thinketh in his heart, so is he. As we think in our heart, the Bible tells us, so are we. Let's pray. The pastor's going to come and preach a message, our thoughts about ourselves. We are continuing our series, What's on Your Mind, uh, with this next installment of sermon today about thoughts about ourselves. And uh, how do the thoughts that we have about who we are and the thoughts about how we feel about ourselves really impact the people that we become? We've been saying for several weeks now that too many Christians attempt to change their behaviors without changing their thoughts and their beliefs regarding that behavior. And uh, as we've looked at, we've seen that this this will never work. If you attempt to change some habit in your life, if you attempt to change some behavior in your life, if you attempt to change some uh, action in your life without changing the corresponding thoughts and attitudes that are connected to that behavior, uh, you'll basically be involved in an exercise in futility. You'll, you'll never see ultimate change come about. According to Romans chapter number 12, as we saw two weeks ago, changing your thoughts is the secret uh, to changing your life. And yet the reality is most Christians don't think about what they think about. And uh, that's that's the tension, that's the rub there. So today, we're gonna go deep as we look at a concept called identification. Now, when I say the word identification, uh, most of us might have a surface idea of what we're talking about. Maybe we're going to align with something, or uh, we identify with a football team, we identify with a baseball team, we identify with a particular political party, and we have kind of a surface understanding of what identifying with something means. Yet today what I'd like to do by the grace of God is I'd like to really kind of dive deep and look at a very deep uh, theological as well as psychological understanding of what identifying with something truly is. All right, let's go right to our text because we're going to use Proverbs chapter number 23 as a springboard, and then we're going to expositionally unpack 2 Corinthians chapter number 10 in just a moment to give us a deeper understanding from a theological perspective of what we're talking about when we talk about uh, deep identification. Notice what the Bible says here in Proverbs chapter number 23. The Bible says, notice the text, for as he, or as a man, thinketh in his mind. So is he. Is that what the text says? As a man thinketh in his brain, so is he. As a man thinketh in his head, so is he. No, that's not what this passage says. In fact, it's very important to note that what it's saying here is, as a man thinketh in his heart. Now, according to the scriptures, the heart is that place where your mind, your will, your emotions, 
and your sense of self all collide. It is where your will and emotions come together as one. It is that place where mind, will, and emotions literally merge. They fuse into one singular essence. And here in this passage, the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, that place that merges with your thoughts and your emotions and your will and your identity, it's what happens in that place that defines who you will ultimately become. The heart is that place where the will and the emotions merge. And so, get this, the process of our thoughts merging with our will, with our emotions, with our sense of self, that process is referred to as identification. Now, this is foundational for the rest of this sermon. If you don't kind of grasp at least a surface understanding of this concept, nothing I say for the rest of the next few moments is going to make any sense whatsoever. And so I, I need us to understand that identification or what is called self-identification is the process when what is in our heads, our thoughts, then merge with our sense of identity, merges with our emotional state, it merges with our will. And when that happens, we are now identifying with that thing. Now, as we're going to see over the next couple of weeks, the identification process can be a good thing if you're identifying with who God declares you to be. Or it can be a highly negative thing if you identify with who you think you are. Or with who you say you are. Or who you feel like you are. So I know this is going to be somewhat academic to get going, and I don't want to lose anybody in the cerebral minutia of all this. But I think it's very, very vital for us to get a concrete kind of um, happy understanding or definition of this word. So I'm just going to give you a dictionary definition for the word here, identification, all right? You'll see here, identification, according to uh, several dictionaries, it is a psychological merging of the self into a situation that then results in corresponding thoughts and feelings. Here's another definition, according to dictionary, a mostly, this is important, a mostly unconscious process. One of the reasons why this is very hard to identify when it's happening in your own heart and mind is because this process is primarily unconscious, it's primarily subconscious. A mostly unconscious process whereby an individual incorporates a mental image into their mind about their relationship with a circumstance and then personally experiences thoughts and feelings associated with that other circumstance. Let me give you one more. The primarily subconscious internal dialogue. Any of you have this unconscious internal dialogue that goes in, on in your head? Has anybody else experienced this? You ever talk to yourself? You ever have voices in your head, right? Nobody wants to admit this. But it's this primarily subconscious internal dialogue individuals have as they associate with something outside of themselves. So they could be associating with a, a job, they could be associating with some situation that's happening in their lives, they could be associating with some relationship in their lives, but the primarily subconscious, eternal dialogue individuals have as they associate with something outside of themselves 
that then changes how they view themselves and ultimately how they feel about themselves. Let me give you a theme for this morning that I hope will lay the foundation for where we're going today. That theme is simply this. The negative life situations we identify with will negatively affect our lives. It is highly important that we come to a place where we understand and we become aware of how often our subconscious and unconscious mind merges, associates, and identifies with the situations of life. This morning we're going to examine the process of identifying with the circumstances of life. Let's begin by looking at number one, unhealthy internal identifications, all right? I, I'm just trying to unpack this for you. I'm trying to give you just kind of a basic understanding of what this thing even is. Because for the majority of human beings living on planet Earth, this is a process that is both unconscious and subconscious that most individuals are not even aware is taking place within their own hearts and within their own minds. And, and here's, here's the tension that I'm feeling this morning. I'm going to try to communicate a concept to you that by pure definition is subconscious in nature. I'm going to try to convince you that you're doing something that by pure Webster's definition you are not even aware is happening. And that's, that's, that's the difficulty of trying to communicate a subject matter like we're talking about today. And so, by God's grace, I hope to move us through the process of understanding what is happening and then giving us a prescription from 2 Corinthians chapter number 10 that talks about how we as believers are to walk through this type of thing. So let's unpack it, alright? Unhealthy internal identification. This is something that most of us in this room do, whether we realize it or not, but it is an unhealthy internal identification. So to help you understand this, let's break this up into two processes. Number one, we need to understand that there are facts in our lives. There are just facts. There are things that just are, alright? And I think you're on the screen. There's a category in our mind. These are the things that we hold in our head. They're just, they're just statements of fact that exist in the world in which we live, all right? They are things that, to some degree, we hold outside of ourselves. If nothing else, we are able to hold them just in our minds, all right? They don't drift down to our hearts. They don't merge with our emotions, our will, our sense of identity. They are simply facts. And then there is what is called narratives, what some people refer to as internal narratives, or uh, some people might refer to these as internal personal dialogue that happens in our unconscious or subconscious mind. Some sociologists even refer to this process as scripting. It is the process by which we subconsciously and unconsciously create a narrative, a, a narrative about how this presently affects me, a, a, you can even say it this way, a story about what will happen to me because of this fact, and we write a narrative, we write an internal personal dialogue, we literally script a story about ourselves that is about this fact. But the problem is, in our heads, 
we have a very hard time differentiating between the facts as they exist in the world in which we live and the narratives that we are writing about those facts in our subconscious thinking. And most individuals don't know the difference between the facts of what are and the internal personal stories or narratives that they're writing about themselves, that they're writing about their future in their unconscious, subconscious mind. And so what happens is these things begin to fuse into one. And when they fuse into one, the Bible says you are now thinking not with your mind. You are not thinking with your brain. You're not, not just thinking with your head. You are now thinking in your heart. The facts have merged with your emotional state. The facts have merged with your will and with your sense of identity. And now your heart is unpacking these concepts. And for the average individual, they are not able to discern what is fact and what is their own created fiction. They don't even know the difference because it happens on such a subconscious, unconscious level. There is fact and there is narrative. So, just to further unpack this from an illustrative standpoint, let's take some facts that may or may not exist in this room. And I'm not trying to pick on anybody whatsoever. These are just things that I think are somewhat common to the human condition, all right? So there are facts and then there are narratives and to help us further understand this process as a man thinketh in his heart, not just thinketh in his head, but thinketh in his heart, so is he, so will he become. It's important to understand this identification, this stripping process that begins to take place in the heart and mind of an individual. So let's, let's share some facts. I only have $5 in the bank. That could be a fact for some folks here. Fact. I'm 40 pounds overweight. Might be a fact. Um, I am divorced. Might be a fact. I struggle with an addiction. Might be a fact. Facts are just statements about the realities of life. They exist. They are facts. And then there are the narratives that we write about these facts in our subconscious and unconscious mind. So I'm gonna do my best to kind of begin to talk through how we as finite human beings begin to write these stories that literally cause us to identify, to merge our will and emotions with these facts that are just supposed to be out there somewhere, and we make them about, they, we allow those facts to, to, to define who we are, we allow them to write our story about who we will become, and these stories literally merge into that which we now are. So just to unpack this a little further, so the fact may be, I only have five dollars in the bank, that might be a fact. Here's maybe a narrative that can get written about that. All of a sudden, we write a, we write a story. I'm ruined. I'll probably lose my car. I may even leave my house. Okay. Now what happened is, is you took a fact that is, 
and you now wrote an emotional narrative, an emotional fiction that then wrote yourself into the story, your sense of identity. I'm ruined. I'm ruined. Broke. And then you start writing a future story. I, I might lose my car. I'll probably even lose my house. And now you're writing a future narrative, a future story into this fact. And what's happening is now you're thinking with your heart. You're merging your will, your emotions, your sense of identity into the statements of fact that exist in the world in which we live in today. Now, that, is, that might be your reality, but according to the Bible, if you're a believer in Christ... I was just, my gosh, that's well, according to the scriptures and glory of Christ Jesus. That's God's reality. That is God's story. That is what God declares to be true. But as long as you start writing your own narrative, you start writing your own stories, you start identifying with facts in your own ways, you start believing the lies of the enemy, you are now negatively identifying with a reality that is not of God. Give us another one to continue to understand this on a deeper level. I'm 40 pounds overweight. That could be a physical reality of fact. It may or may not. Now, all of a sudden, if we're not careful, it might be easy to start writing a fictional narrative around those things. I'm inferior. I'm ugly. I'm always thinking people are judging. Sometimes they even worry if my spouse will, will leave me for somebody else. Now you've taken a fact and you've begun to write an emotional narrative around that fact that now merges the facts with your sense of identity and your emotional state. It went from being something that you hold in your mind to something now that is transferred to your heart. You now have begun to think about it as a man thinketh in his heart. If you identify enough and enough and enough and you allow that identity, that identification process to happen again and again and again, the Bible says that's what you ultimately become. Your identity is created by your ongoing identifications. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Not as he thinketh in his mind, not as he thinketh in his brain, as he thinks in his heart. When you allow that fact to merge with your sense of self, your, 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 your emotional state, your will, the, the heart of who you are, and you merge those things together, that has now, you are now identifying with that thing. And the Bible says, as you think, so you become. The fact might be, I'm middle-aged and not married. Might be a fact. Physical reality in the world in which we live. The problem is, most people can't just hold facts out here. In their mind, in their brain, in their head. It begins to align, it begins to merge with their sense of who they are, their identity, their emotional state. And now all of a sudden you might be tempted to write this narrative, this story into it. I, I, I'm incomplete. Alone. I'll, I'll never experience true love. I'm going to be alone for the rest of my life. You've taken a fact 
And now you're beginning to identify it by writing a narrative, by writing a story. You're literally writing your emotional and identity state into the fact. You're merging with something that isn't supposed to be merged. You're not just holding it in your head out here. You're now bringing it into your heart. You're bringing it into your sense of identity. You're making it part of your emotional state. You are merging with it psychologically. You are identifying with it. Fact might be for some of us, I lost my job. Now, the narrative or the story that you might start writing, that you might have, the, um, that your emotional state, oftentimes it's your subconscious emotional state that will start to write this narrative, that will start to write this future story about your life, it may go something like this. It's just, I'm unstable. I'm vulnerable. We lose sight of the reality that God says, I've got you in the palm of my hand. You can trust me. We lose sight of that ultimate reality, and we write in, we allow our emotional state to write in a sub-reality, a psychological narrative that writes ourselves into a story that becomes our reality. I'm vulnerable. I lost my job and it's going to be worthless. I won't be able to provide for my family. I might even become homeless. We took a fact and we allowed our emotions to write a present and future oriented state about what that will ultimately mean to us. You wrote a narrative. You identified with that reality. For some of us, the fact might be, I'm divorced. I'm divorced. It's, it's, it's a physical reality in the world in which you live. You're divorcing. And yet, it's so easy in that state to now start writing an emotional script. We start identifying. We start allowing our sense of who we are to merge with that fact that's out here. And all of a sudden, our emotional state will start writing a story. I'm, I'm a reject. We're talking about ultimate rejection, right? Trade. Abandoned. <coughs> it's probably all my fault. So this different and that different later. God chose that. And we start. Our kids are going to suffer for the rest of their lives because of this mistake. And we start writing a narrative about who we are and what our future is going to look like, what our kids' future is going to look like. And we, like, as if we're God or something, we allow our emotional state to identify. We merge. Our sense of self now becomes intertwined with that fact. And we cannot distinguish the fact from who we are. It has now merged. We have just identified with a unhealthy, negative reality, rather than identifying with God's ultimate timeless realities. Fact. I have a physical disability. And for some of you, you hear that's the fact. You have a physical disability. Some of you, it's newer. For some of you, you've had it your entire life. 
And yet if we're not careful, the enemy will try to allow our emotional state to write a narrative, a story about who we are presently and who we eventually will become. That story sometimes can sound something like this, I'm, I'm flawed, broken, weak. Even though God's ultimate timeless reality says by strength is made perfect in your weakness, we ignore the ultimate timeless reality. We push that aside and allow our emotional state to identify. We allow our sense of who we are to identify with the fact. And now all of a sudden we allow a negative interpretation to rewrite the story of who we believe ourselves to be in this moment and who we will ultimately believe. And before long, as we're free, we're flawed and we're broken, I'm such an inconvenience and a bother that everyone around me, I missed out on experiencing life the way I was supposed to. And we write this narrative emotionally charged and merges with our identity and we're not just thinking with our mind, we're thinking with our emotions, we're thinking with our sense of identity. They all get merged into one and it becomes the identification process that over time, again and again and again, reinforced, 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 becomes our identity. How we view ourselves, how we feel ourselves continually. It's like the default the fact might be, my spouse doesn't meet my needs. It might be a fact. You might be in this room and your spouse doesn't meet your needs. It might be a reality of life. And yet what we do so often in marriage is we allow our emotional state, we start to merge, we start to identify with that reality, and we allow that fact to now rewrite our sense of who we are, and we start telling our things like this, I must, I must be inadequate. I must not be lovable. I must not have any worth. You can write narratives into that. They're not meeting my needs. Or you probably have an affair. We start writing these narratives about our current state and our future state. In our mind, we merge our sense of identity, who we are. To these facts. I don't have any close friends. It might be a fact. I don't have any close friends. Fact. You might be sitting here today and that might be a fact. You don't have any close friends. But then all of a sudden, if you're not careful, your unhealthy, negative, emotional state might try to write a narrative that helps you make sense of the fact that you don't have any friends. And so now all of a sudden, the enemy starts writing lies into this reality. I'm a reject. I'm, un I'm unlovable. Nobody will ever understand me. I'll never have any deep, affirming relationships. And all of a sudden, we start writing a story about our future. We allow our emotional state, and now we identify, we, we allow this fact to merge with our sense of who we are, and we begin to identify with it in an unhealthy, negative manner as we think about this thing in our heart. And the Bible says you do that, and you do that, and you do that, and as you think in your heart, eventually so it is that you become. And now all of a sudden you have these mental psychological patterns in your brain and your heart and your head that reinforce everything you say, reinforces that identity. Everything you do and say reinforces. And in, in some cases, 
unconsciously and subconsciously, we literally sabotage the very things we want the most because this script is so deeply rooted in our hearts and minds, we don't even know we're projecting the script again and again and again and again, and we feel a victim. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. A struggle with addiction might be a fact for you. Might be the fact. If you're not careful, you can start to write a narrative, a fictional story about your present state, about who you are and what you will one day be. And if you're not careful, maybe you'll think, I'm weak. I'm a discipline. I'm worthless. I'll never overcome this. I'll never overcome this. I'll never overcome this. Well, that's just made it worse and worse. You write a narrative that causes you to identify this, your sense of who you are. Your emotional state tries to merge with this fact that's out here. And now you become one with that fact. Your sense of identity, the sense of who you believe yourself to be, your emotional state, it's all intertwined with that fact. And you now can't differentiate between the facts and the stories that you tell yourself about the facts. And I'm here to tell you this, it happens again and again and again. Identification with negative, unhealthy realities destroys marriages. It breaks up friendships. It divides churches. It hurts businesses and commerce because the average person cannot, they cannot discern between fact and the fictional narratives and stories they write about those facts because it's unconscious, subconscious, and they don't even know it's happening. And so the enemy just sabotages the lives, it destroys the relationships, it poisons opportunities, and you are then there left to live in the rut of that identification process. Now it has become your identity and it reinforces itself and reinforces itself and reinforces itself again and again and again without you even knowing it. You're here today. The fact is, you lost a loved one. Not a son. A mom. And when you care deeply about, it's a fact. It happened. We're not trying to make light of any of these facts, but the facts by themselves can be painful. But once you begin to identify with them, they will destroy you. All of a sudden, the narrative, the story we start telling ourselves is I'm incomplete. Hopeless. Hopeless about ever feeling better. I'll never be the same again. What's the point of even living? Fact. I have cancer. The story that the enemy will try to get us to write about that reality. I'm hopeless. I'm ruined. I'm going to miss out on helping my grandkids grow up. Hit important milestones in their lives. One's a fact. Another is an emotional state 
that is trying to reinforce a negative, unhealthy identity into who you are. You see, negative emotions feel so real that even when you know their lies, it's still nearly impossible to silence them. It feels so real. Because the moment you begin to identify with those facts, you don't know the difference between the fact and the fiction that you have written about it in your head. And it will lead to confusion and frustration. It will cause you to feel disoriented and overwhelmed. Because now you are left with these facts. You've identified with them. You've thought about it in your heart. You've allowed them to merge with your emotions, your sense of identity. And as a man thinking his heart, so he becomes. And then once that becomes your identity, that your identity will go to incredible lengths to reinforce that again and again and again, even as it's causing you pain and hurt in the process. This is something that happens consciously, but most of the times the process that we're talking about happens entirely subconsciously. A lot of individuals, even Christians, cannot separate themselves from this. They can't hold it out here. They, they, they can't realize that this is something that's happening. Probably the first line of defense is becoming aware that this takes place inside you. You can't, you can't battle this thing if you don't even know it's there. Sometimes it's subconscious thought that drives the identification process of merging your thoughts and your emotions and your sense of self together. Most of the time what drives it is not unconscious thought. Most of the time what drives it is unconscious feeling. These underlying stealth feelings that drive you to identify with the facts, the reality of that which is, and tries to get you to merge your identity, your sense of who you are, your sense of what you feel about yourself with those facts, and they try to, they try to merge those things into a oneness. So how do we overcome it? Take your Bibles if you would, and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, I wanted to give, give you an idea of what it is that we're talking about. It's something that many, many individuals struggle with, but okay, we got a small diagnosis. What is the prescription? 2 Corinthians chapter number 10 says this, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against, notice this, the knowledge of God. You've got to find out that it's the word of God that is our one offensive enemy, uh, our offensive weapon to the, uh, to the attack of the enemy. You have the knowledge and the word of God to fight off and fend off against the enemy. You see, the, the, the knowledge of God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The enemy wants to try to get you to believe that you will forever be alone and lonely. 
And yet the Bible tells you you've got a friend that sticketh closer than even a brother. That is the reality of the knowledge of God. And yet the enemy is going to try to get you to identify with the fact that you don't have any friends, that your spouse is not there for you, you must be unlovable, you must be worthless, and you'll be alone for the rest of your life because nobody will make you feel like you're accepted and affirmed. And that is not the ultimate reality by God's standard. And so the Bible says, cast it down. Every time the enemy tries to get you to identify with some negative circumstance or situation in your life, the enemy is not trying to get you to identify with it to make your life better. He wants to destroy. He wants to kill. He wants to literally sabotage your current faith and your future life. I'll tell you a quick story here. I really struggled this week as I was moving through this particular Sermon is, and just like with many of you, you know, I'm just a regular guy like you guys are. I struggle with the same things you guys struggle with, you know. I'm not preaching at you. More than anything, I, I, I love the privilege that I get to spend so much time studying the Word of God and allowing God's Word and Spirit to, to renew me. And, and I, I love it. But just like at your job, or just like in your career, or just like at your workplace, there are a certain amount of pressures. There are certain senses of just being overwhelmed. And you get this from your bosses, you get this from your managers, you get this from clients, you get this from uh, people you work with, and, and there are those things. And, 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 and being a pastor is no different, you know. Uh, there are, are there constantly voices in a congregation that will tell you you're not doing something good enough, or, or and even when they're well-intentioned and those things, and, and yet they're, they're facts, they're just facts of what is, you know, or, or you could be doing this better, or you could be doing this different, or, you know, you're, you're kind of letting things here and there, and, and just, just like you, we, we all have these things in our lives, every, every one of us experience them, and they're not always malicious, and they're not always, you know, kind of malicious in their, their attack, they're just facts, they just are what they are, and yet, uh, because I'm a human being, I, I easily can identify. I, I allow the negative energy of the emotional state that those facts produce. And if I'm not careful, I'll try to merge with those. And, and this has been a week where I've been wrestling through a lot of that. Is maybe there's feelings of I'm inadequate, I'm not good enough, or I can't do what, 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 what needs to be done in this context. And, and you struggle with those things. And we're going on this message, and, and I spent probably 25 or 30 hours preparing this message, and I was working through some stuff knowing where I wanted to go with it. And I got to Thursday, so it was Thursday morning. I had already sent all the outlines and everything to the offices. Bulletins were getting made. Screens were getting created. All of this stuff was getting done. And I was looking over my notes on Thursday. I'm reading through it kind of from a 40,000-foot view, just trying to take it all in. And I'm reading my sermon, and it's like the Holy Spirit saying, it's wrong. Like I, in my heart, as I was studying it, I knew what I was trying to, what I was trying to get across. The Holy Spirit wanted me to say, and it just wasn't happening in the sermon. And I'm looking at this thing, and it's like dawning on me. You're not going to preach this. Um, I spent a lot of hours, 25, 30 hours at this point, just pouring my heart and soul into this thing, and it just wasn't right. <laughs> What I, what I sense the Holy Spirit wanted me to say was not what was being said in that context, in that, in that sermon. I remember telling people at the office, all right, I'm going to have to start over from scratch. Throw away the bulletins, you know, get ready to work a little bit extra, you know, as we get closer to the weekend. I, I don't know what the Holy Spirit's doing, but this thing. I, I remember sitting there, I was 
and I was just so desperately Thursday, and I was just, I was in this place, I'm like, I'm in my head, I, I really sensed what the Holy Spirit wanted me to try to convey. I, I had it here to some degree, and yet for the life of me, no matter how hard I was trying, I couldn't get it on paper, I couldn't get it out. Like, I could just, anything I put out here just wasn't, what wasn't that? It wasn't right. So I just, I don't, I don't, I couldn't figure out what it was. And then just over time, a couple hours ago, I was getting more frustrated. I was getting like, man, I, and literally, I said, I said to my wife at one point, I can't do this. Like, I, I've officially gotten to a place where what the Holy Spirit's leading me in to talk about is way above my first pay grade. It's way too complex. We live in Fresno. I mean, how am I going to say this in a way that, you know, just every average individual can understand? You know, I'm sitting here like totally second-guessing myself. And I'm like, I felt incompetent. I felt inadequate. I'm like, what's, what's even the point? Like, I'm washed out. I'm finished. I'm done. I can't. I'm, this is it. And literally, it wasn't just like memo. It was like, there was a fact. The fact was this. It's a complex subject. The fact was this, I've never talked about this before. These are facts. The narrative that I was writing about it was that I, I can't do it. Even though God's ultimate timeless truth says we can do all things through Christ, which strengthens us, that's God's reality. In that moment, I was writing a script because of my emotional state, because of what I was you know, struggling with in these areas and these other areas, literally to the point where I was telling myself a story. My emotional state was writing a script. It was identifying with the fact that this was a new topic, this was a uh, more complex topic, uh, I was wanting to take something complex and put it on the bottom shelf so kind of everybody, whether he was a teenager or just to kind of get something from it, and I was identifying with it, and all of a sudden I felt inadequate, I felt incompetent, I felt washed out, and I literally just overcome the frustration with that and everything else was going on. I was like, I can't do this. Like, I can get up there and talk for a while, but what, what the Holy Spirit wants to get out there is not going to happen. So then I thought, no, I just go up there and I guess I can just pretend for an hour on Sunday and then go through some motions or something. And I was, I was talking out loud to my wife, and my wife's like, now you realize you're doing the exact thing. <laughs> that you're going to try to encourage other people not to do. <laughs> and like in that moment, something just clicked. So we go to the Lord in prayer, and I tell them, say, okay, Lord, yeah, right. this, is a, this is a personal thing. I identify with facts and negative manners a lot to find that reality. And as I was personally able to work through a specific situation this week, it's like it opened up the floodgates. And all of a sudden, all these things that I've been trying to write for weeks just started flowing out. And in a way that, oh, okay, that, that kind of makes sense, and that kind of makes sense, and oh, okay. And it's just the experience of it. Going through that experience in a, in a personal way then created a context in which I felt free to articulate this thing. And I, I say all that to say this. It's an ongoing battle. This is not like a one-hit home run and you're done with it. I mean, this is a daily thing. Casting down. This is... It's ongoing. It doesn't say cast it down once, singular, casting, plural, again and again and again, every day, especially if you are in bondage to the rut of unhealthy, negative identification because it's just sabotaging and reinforcing again and again and again. If that's the state 
in which you find yourself, you're going to need these verses even maybe more than some of the rest of us because this is something that you're in bondage to. So let me throw this on the screen just to kind of kind of help us come full circle with what this means. To identify with something is to think about any fact outside of us in a way that makes it personal and about us as we merge it with our identity and our emotional state. Identifying with something is what happens when we allow anything other than God to reinterpret who we believe ourselves to be. So the moment you allow something other than God's word or God's promises or God's ultimate declaration upon your life to give you your sense of who you are, your sense of how you should feel about yourself, you allow anything other than God to define that, whether it be a spouse, whether it be a relationship, whether it be a pastor or a job or a possession that you have, the moment you allow anything other than God to define who you are, how you view yourself, and how you should feel about yourself, you have just negatively and unhealthily identified with that Reality. Number three, to identify with something is to allow anything, relationship, job, possession, anything to change how we view about ourselves or impact how we feel about ourselves that is inconsistent with the realities of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Anytime that happens, you are negatively, unhealthily identifying with the reality. You are thinking in your heart in a way that is not productive, that is not healthy, and that will not allow you to form into the image of Jesus Christ. Not only will it hurt what your soul ultimately needs to become, it will in time sabotage relationships. It might even sabotage your work, your finances. There are long-reaching negative consequences if you choose to continue to identify. You say, I'm not choosing it. It's subconscious. I'm not even aware that I'm doing it. At some point, you've got to take ownership for it. You say, will it be easy? I know. One of the hardest processes you will go through is casting down every imagination flaunts itself. It is the power of the Almighty. We do this every single day, most of us. And oftentimes, most of the time, it's subconscious, it's unconscious, it's underneath the surface. We don't even know what it's doing. Let's look at this. Let's continue by looking at healthy internal identification. Okay? We, we, we focused on it from a negative perspective, but the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. There are ways to think about things in your heart that's very positive, that's very healthy, that perfectly aligns with Scripture. There are things you should emotionally and psychologically merge with. There are facts that you should allow into your emotional, into your sense of identity. You say, what are those facts? It's the facts of God's promises and the gospel of Jesus Christ. The realities of who God declares you to be, now that you are in Christ, you need to merge with. You need to identify with. Who God declares you to be, who Jesus says that you are now that you are in him, those emotional realities need to become the realities of your heart. They need to be what you identify with, what you are emotionally drives you. What creates your sense of self is not some negative situation that happened a year ago 
or happened yesterday, what needs to drive your emotional state, your sense of self, is who God declares you to be in His very Word and through His promises. And the moment anything but God's Word, God's promises, and God's will defines who you allow yourself to interpret yourself to be, anything else outside of that is a lie from the enemy that will ultimately sabotage the very foundation of your life. It is Christ, His message, His Word, his promises that you need to identify with, that you need to associate with, that you need to emotionally merge and allow God's promises to define your ultimate sense of identity. It's harder said than done. Identifying with Christ, who Christ says you are is a healthy thing, rather than negatively identifying with who you might think you are. Are. This is highly unhealthy. Second Corinthians, let's go back to our passage here, because we didn't end the verse a minute ago. The beginning of that verse told us here, said, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. You say, that's why, why is that so important? Go to verse before it, verse number four. The Bible says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not physical. They're, they're spiritual, they're mental. These are the weapons that God gives us. And so he goes on to say, now, casting down those imaginations, everything that we see here exalted itself against the knowledge of God. Go on, and now notice this. Bring into captivity every thought. This is a big chore. Every conscious thought and every subconscious thought needs to be brought into the captivity of Christ. Every negative attitude, every complaining thought, every disregardful thought, every disrespectful thought, every complaining thought, every angry thought, every lustful thought needs to be brought into the captivity of Christ. Stop writing a narrative. Stop writing a story. Stop writing fictional, you know, future state kind of what's going to happen to me because of this. Stop merging psychologically, associating with your emotional state, with your sense of identity, with the negative situations and facts of ungodly realities that exist in our broken world today and allow the ultimate truth of what God's perfect word and promises declares you to be in Christ. Allow that reality to now define who you become in the days ahead. That is what we're talking about. Every thought captive, every conscious thought, every subconscious thought, ask God's Spirit for the grace to bring those so you can then surrender them to the obedience of Christ and the reality of which He declares to be true. No longer be driven by the winds and the waves of that fictional narrative, that story that you have written about yourselves. The enemy and your emotions will lie to you every single time. And it they don't care that they're destroying your life. They don't care that they're destroying your psychological stability. They don't care that you're destroying your emotional state or your relationships or your career or your finances. The enemy wants you dead. He wants you destroyed. He wants you broken. And he does not want you to experience the victory that is yours in the very real promises of God. That is what he's trying to keep you from. And as a believer, you have the power to overcome that. The victory in Christ. You are not stuck. You're not in bondage. You're not shackled. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Only tell yourself things that are consistent with the word of God. And do God. 
declares you to be in Christ. The voices of the past will try to convince you that you are something. Your negative emotions will try to define who it wants you to be. Your past mistakes will try to define you. Friends will try to define you. Your misconceived ideas and judgments and evaluations about what's going on around you will try to destroy you. But God's word, God's word will give you the strength to stand strong. Here's a quote with our last night. I read this a couple years ago, and it really ministered to me. Paul seems a Christian counselor. He said this. The hard work of the Christian life. What is the hard work? Walking the walk and talking the talk. I gotta go to church and I gotta read my Bible and I gotta pray. Here's what he says the hard work of the Christian life is to believe by faith Christ's declaration of who you are against every contrary voice, experience, and thought. That is your hard work as a Christian. Every voice, every experience, and every thought brought into the captivity and obedience of the cross. There are facts. Facts can hurt. The stories you tell yourself about them will destroy you. The Bible says the facts, the situations of life, there's nothing the Bible says that can open the windshield. His grace is sufficient for you. So what is identification in a nutshell? It's the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves. Stories we tell about ourselves, about our present state, and our, our future state, because of the facts that exist as we perceive them. How do you know if you've been negatively identified with something? How, how do I know? How do I know if I've done this? You say it's unconscious, you say it's unconscious. How can I even know? Here's a, here's a good rule of thumb. You no longer are manifesting the truth of the Spirit. There's no more joy. In the midst of hard times. There's no more peace in the midst of difficulties. There's no more love in the midst of hard relationships. The fruit of the Spirit's gone, and that is a sure tell sign that you are now identified in a negative, unhealthy manner with some negative fact. The fruit of the Spirit is no longer. But here's the exercise this week. I told you we're going to get interactive. It's one thing to hear a sermon. It's another thing to allow the Spirit of God to allow you to experience the reality on your own. Here's what, here's what I want you to walk away with. I want you this week to catch yourself identifying with things. You say, that's subconscious. It's unconscious. How can I do that? Ask the Spirit of God to reveal these things to you, and He will. If you ask Him to do it, He will show this to you. You cannot find an enemy that you cannot see. You've got to catch yourself. You've got to become aware of when you allow the facts to begin to merge with your emotional state, your will, your sense of identity. When those things come into one, tell me what it's impossible. You've got to catch yourself in the middle of it. And I'm going to say this. This is, this is a spiritual discipline that takes a whole lot of work. I've personally been working on this for a couple of years. I've been happening with that. Still, I get sucked into the vortex of identification. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be a couple of days into it before the Holy Spirit goes, hey, you're doing it again. 
goal is, as that time goes by, the distances in which you speak and you fall into the depths of negative identification, those depths become smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller, and the spaces between them become bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. This, this is not an overnight fix, but it's a journey that you can go on. We're talking about the thoughts you have about yourself. The enemy's going to try to get you to believe that it has nothing to do with you. It's all about your parent. It's all about your spouse. It's all about your boss. It's all about your pastor. It's all about that person we go to church with. The enemy wants you to believe that, it, that, that it's about everybody else other than you. Because the enemy wants to disempower you. And until you own it, there's no power over it. As long as you blame someone or something else, you'll stay victim to it. And yet in Christ, there is victory. How do we learn to disidentify with this unhealthy, negative, internal dialogue? Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.